welcome to the Queer Arabs podcast. This is Alia. This is Ellie. Nadia. <laughs> yeah. we... Okay, Nadia, you go second. <laughs> Everyone get You all know who we are. It's not important. Yeah. <laughs> and we have a guest on that we've been we've been following for a long time. Can you introduce yourself? I'm Ran. I use them pronouns, and I like to consider myself a multimedia artist and theater maker. Awesome. Awesome. And what is your background? I my mom is of is Egyptian, and my dad is Lebanese. And then I was born in the U.S. You do a lot of visual art and then also like theater stuff, right? Yeah. And um, are those the two main mediums, like art mediums that you focus on? Mostly. I also will sometimes do some like creative writing. I'm really into like poetry, but like recently I've have been having a really hard time <laughs> with my poetry, so I haven't been doing it as much. So I've been thinking to like playwriting and visual art. I feel like if you're a poet, you have a disproportionate chance of being on this podcast sometimes. <laughs> yeah, we got a lot of poets here. <laughs> poets um, it's been a while, though. It's been a while. For people who can't see their screen, they have a bunch of playbills up on the wall. I think I mm -hmm. uh, first saw you on Instagram um, when you were tagging um, this podcast. Um, a lot of people we we talked to have followed in um, your like, fictional playbills. Um, can you talk a little bit about those? Because I thought that was a really cool idea. Yeah, they are. Yeah. So um, that whole project, which I'm still working on, but have been able to make more of recently, um, it's all about uh, queer Swana futures. I think it's really important to like take our present and put it into the future and see ourselves out there. Um, because I feel like so often we have these stories about like queer Swana people getting killed or like committing suicide or. Um, all these stories of different ways where they're not like futures aren't shown or aren't experienced. And I think it's so important that we put ourselves in that future. And so we can have this future there to us where we can like, just kind of be and to exist in this joyful space. I agree because growing up, like I literally did, could not envision like a queer future for myself because, you know, this is like in the pre internet is everywhere times. Uh, where there was no uh, queer representation unless you knew exactly where to look for it. And mm -hmm. that kind of sucks, especially when it, what, it was kind of taboo within your own family who is immersed in the culture that is uh, that exists. But then you go into, you know, white spaces, universities, educational settings, and none of those stories come up. So having yeah. a queer future to look forward to is awesome. Yeah. It really kind of started when I started following a bunch of like queer some people on Instagram who I met through my best friend. And I like started seeing all these people and I was just like, oh, we exist. That's pretty cool. And that's how I discovered you all. And it was a really like heartwarming experience. I knew that I wanted to do, make some art form showing that like how, the importance of this and like how impactful it's been on me and on other people. And I thought this would be the best way to do it. Cause like um, art for me is a, the best way to tell stories and I think uh the most important part of that is to tell the truth and I think through these like pieces and these visual arts I'm telling like the present I'm able to tell the truth in a unique way that like hasn't been seen before one thing I, I love that you create like your ideal spaces I think I think it was a was it a cafe you I don't know there was something of a it looked like a cafe or a bakery or something and yeah. it was kind of like your dream space and I, I love that you do that. Um, have you, what, what are some of the dream spaces you've put into visual art? So definitely the Manish Cafe. Yeah. Um, that was probably my favorite one. I actually turned it into like postcards because I loved it so much. 
Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> and then I did that. I made a different version of my room. Um, I just oh. changed like the wall color. Uh, so I did that, and then I did a record store because I collect finals. Oh. So that was super cool to make. That's awesome. And then I think those are my top ones. I did a uh, a queerest one, a drag race, which was pretty cool. Oh, okay, that I think sounds I amazing. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really loved it. It's so cool. Yeah, the Manayush Cafe, like, do you want to describe to the listeners, like, some of the aspects of it? Because I thought it was yeah. so cool. So, um, I'm trying to, like, remember it all. I know, let me just... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, on the ceiling of it, I put flags. Of the, there are two rows of flags. There are flags of, like queer flags and then I have uh swan of flags behind it yeah and it's around the ceiling and that ceiling and then there's like a back wall and a forward wall and they're like kind of connected together um and then on the back wall it says to them and um with evil eyes everywhere uh yeah it's kind of like my favorite detail um actually that's not true my favorite detail is I include like outlets in every single one of my drawing and I don't know if anyone like catches on to that I don't know why but it's like so obscure and I love it so much no but that's so nice to the fictional people who would be there it is it is I mean where are we going to charge all our stuff if not this cafe we'll just be stranded without power yeah Yeah, exactly you gotta make your ideal future have outlets yeah I love that that's that's awesome in your outlet yes Wait, now I'm going to get really oh, specific. I what, like which, um, what, like, nationality of outlet <laughs> did you choose? Um, oh, yeah. I just chose, like, U.S. outlets, because those are the ones I'm familiar with. Yeah, yeah, Wondering, yeah. like, what is, like, all the kinds of outlets? <laughs> what if I did, like, the next one is, like, an outlet store, and it was just, like, or, like, I don't know if those exist. I'm just making that up on the they spot. They can. <laughs> they can't, exactly. It works with the future. We have um, like a we have a light fixture store here. Why not? Let's get in incredibly true. incredibly specific fixture stores. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that that's a small detail. And then um, on the counter where all the like minutia is on, like that's where it's on. Um, there's a poster for Breaking Fast, and. Um, yeah. Mother are uh something like a sticker from Mizna from their like comic issue. Oh my gosh, uh, awesome. I didn't yeah, catch so that part. I didn't catch the Mizna part. That's so cool. It's so cool because you can look at it 20 times and see another detail that you didn't notice <laughs> before. <laughs> yeah, when I was making it, I like would do one part and I'd be like, oh, this is great. And then I would yeah. be like return to it later and I'd be like, what if I added this and I just yeah. keep adding to the detail and then it just like I got to a point where I was like I just don't have any more space I just can't do it yeah. wait what no too, no more space in your idealized space boo <laughs> so true I should I'm gonna retake like take away what I said I'm gonna revisit this in the future and add some more detail to it I think I'm kind of curious stepping back a little bit from outlets um and I'm trying to figure out how to ask this exactly um uh but you talked about how the internet instagram etc was a big part of you being able to connect to other queer swan and people just be like hey there's other people out there 
I think that was the case for a lot of us, but I think it's a mm-hmm. little bit, I wonder if it's a different um, being able to find that when you were like still a teenager versus like, I think the rest of us kind of got pretty far in our lives before realizing um, that was available. And then I'm also kind of curious, um, a lot of your art is about physical spaces, right? Like your your ideal is not the internet, it's it's a cafe, it's a, um, it's a room. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like that reflects something about your relation to online space or what you wish you had or something in there? Yeah, so I think I really do love like the online space and like yeah. my entire life I've been told that um, my, that my, you know, obsession with Instagram or social media is like, it's all fake and it's not, mm-hmm. um, not really worth connecting to and that I should really just delete <laughs> um, Instagram. Mm-hmm. But I think it's so powerful having it. And I, um, yeah, everything that I've learned from there has impacted me in some way, shape, or form. So I've written like so many essays based on my connection to Instagram and how it's like basically saved me in some way or form. And I do love this online space. And I think taking it one step further would be that physical space that I lack. Like um, I, the first time I've been to uh, a like Swana space, I think I went to like an Egyptian concert when I was very young, but I don't remember any of it. Um, And then I went to the, Layla party when I came to DC and it was like amazing (laughs) um and then I just it felt so like liberating in some way and so I just wanted to like encapsulate that in some way before I even know what that felt like and so yeah 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 totally it's 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 true when people are like talking shit about online spaces without considering that that's the only thing that a lot of people have especially when they're like still in high school, when they're still living with their families, they're not able to go wherever they want or just in general, people can't always go wherever they want in life. Um, and yeah, and yeah. it's an ad- it's a way for people to access each other's art and s- actually engage with it. Plus, you know, yeah. not everyone's like ready to just jump both feet first into a new space. Like some people want to like take their time with it, dip their toe. It's yeah. Like, not everyone's, like, solidly in their identity at first either, you know? Some people got to get there. Yeah. I think that really, like, resonates with me. Um, I was not, like, I've, for some reason, not, okay, this isn't exactly true, but I've been pretty comfortable in my queerness after, like, taking some time to, like, heal from stuff for yeah. my earlier years, right? Um, But I was not always okay with, like, the fact that my family is Arab. Um, I grow up, I'm in Northern Virginia, which is pretty progressive, but it's also majority white. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's like, I don't really have that connection to my culture and I don't speak Arabic, or at least I don't do it very well. (laughs) My Arabic sucks. Um, And I can read and write though. That's a really fun fact about me. (laughs) Um, But I don't really have that connection to my culture especially when I was younger and so being able to like dip my toes and see what it's like to be with other people who are kind of like me and like um 
I can see and like they can be role models to me in some way or someone that I like look up to it's really cool yeah what, wait going back to the read and write thing how did, did you like take a class is that what happened or yeah so I, I took Arabic for three years and then I stopped because my teacher <laughs> does not know how to teach Arabic to non-Arabic speakers um but I did spend a lot of time like learning the letters and I have to say my handwriting pretty good I it's it's great I love it <laughs> I'm very proud of my handwriting <laughs> Ooh, so what's next calligraphy I wish it, calligraphy is so hard I've tried doing it I wanted to make like a cedar tree out of um words from Li Beirut mm -hmm. but anyway, it did not end well so. <laughs> that was my um quarantine hobby and you just kind of have to do it for a little bit <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, it gets easier since <laughs> my okay <laughs> Um, I, I, I think I was going to say handwriting thing. It's always the people I think who like learn to write a little bit later who have like the most beautiful script, right? Like I, I, um, didn't really learn to read and write when I was younger. I, I just learned to speak and then I've spent time as an adult learning that. Um, and everyone looks at my handwriting and is like, huh, that's, that's pretty and unnatural. <laughs> That's a cool. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Wait, pretty and unnatural. Unnatural. Like it's not like you know, if if you're a native, if you're just oh, like, okay. like yeah, writing yeah. a grocery list, most people are doing a little chicken scratch. They're not like. Yeah. It's like I everyone just... else has to read it, not just you. Yeah, I received a card because we have our show going on at school. Um, it's a play I wrote called Charts of Our Heart. Um, it's about the port explosion in Lebanon, and uh, we're producing it at school. Entirely Lebanese cast um and one of my cast members like her mom um wrote me a note in Arabic and I was like sitting there trying to read it um and I was having a really hard time with it but I'm also like that's okay <laughs> everyone's handwriting is different and we just yeah. gotta accept that it's not even it doesn't even have to look like the scripture at all <laughs> yeah i oh that's so sweet the card that's also yeah can you talk a little more about this play that's amazing yeah it's actually really exciting i first workshopped it i wrote it in one night for a program because i hated the play i initially wrote for it um so i stayed up from like 11 to 2 writing a new play i was on the phone with my friend i was like i need an idea for a play and she's like what do you care about and i was like i mean care about Lebanon and Egypt but like where do I go with that there's so much potential in just that one subject um and so I uh yeah so we sat there on the phone just kind of brainstorming I wrote down a bunch of ideas and then she was like that one's interesting and I was like okay and it was like the idea was about two sisters um and then the result of the explosion and how that like impacts their future um and so I wrote it once and I was like, this sucks. So I wrote it again and I was like, this is better. And then I went to this program and I was like, I want to switch my play completely to this, which is what I was working on. Um, and they were like, all right. And then I worked on it, hated it. And then literally two days before we sent the script to the actors, I was like, I rewrote the entire thing. <laughs> and then um, it, it, I'm really proud of it. And then... So we performed it there. It's, the program is called North. Uh, it's Northwestern University's National High School Institute Cherubs Playwriting Intensive, and it's for high school students 
uh, interested in playwriting. And they also have like a theater arts division and like all these other stuff. Um, and I wrote this play and they found an exclusively Arab cast for me, which was very exciting. Um, and then they performed it and it was it was really cool. Um, and I got to like talk to them after and I like talk to them about their experiences and everything. One of them was Lebanese, the other was Moroccan. Um, and it was really cool. The one thing that wasn't cool is that I spelled uh, watermelon wrong in Arabic. So instead of saying batik, I said baktik. Um, and my family was making fun of me the entire time. But then I go to um, school and we produce it at school and they told me the correct spelling. Um, and I got to work on it with my entire Lebanese cast and we like added stuff to it. Um, we made it like personal to them and we added some like French lines in it too. So we had that like, because everyone in Lebanon speaks French, English, and Arabic. Um, maybe even Armenian and German. <laughs> so it's like um, that mix. I really want to capture that in there and have this, like multicultural thing where everyone kind of comes together for this one country. Um, and that's kind of what happened with this play. That's awesome. Uh, how how long have you been uh, working on playwriting and how did you originally get into it? Uh, I started my sophomore year of high school. We, um, in our theater two class, we do a playwriting unit. My teacher uh, started as a playwright. And so he's really like, it, it's really important that we talk about playwriting and try it at least once to see if we like it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm going to like this. And I, I did like it. <laughs> so it kind of just worked out for me. Um, I, the first play I wrote was called Hashtag After September 11, based off of those tweets from that hashtag um, about how September 11th impacted um, Arabs and Muslims and like anyone from the Solana region, because that's had a really big impact. Um, and that was the first play I wrote. Uh, <laughs> I don't really talk about it much because I think um, I was talking to my friend about this. And they were like, it's really hard, like, to associate my work with 9-11 because it's like, that. it seems like that's all we talk about, mm -hmm. um, which is true. And also, I just think it's a bad piece of writing. <laughs> you sound Sorry, like you're a little bit hard on yourself. <laughs> I mean, no, I just have high expectations on my know, writing. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say thank you for not adding to the pile of trauma porn in the world. Yeah, that was, Yeah. <laughs> Well, okay, um, you're you're allowed you're allowed to not like your work, but I, I guess um for you as a writer and artist in general, what's like the moment when you know like this is it? Like I'm not gonna throw it out and write another draft. I like this. Something's clicking. What's like the sign for you? When you um, know it's the one. I guess it's like when I feel like I can't add to it or change anything anymore. Mm, yeah. I I think I felt with this piece that I was like. With Trevor Hart, that I couldn't, um, I just I felt like the story was told, and that there wasn't anything else I can do to like alter what was told, in the way that I, because it was doing its job, um, and then also if I send it to someone and they're like, this is something, <laughs> um, then I'll be like, okay, <laughs> yeah. What are some What are some things that you're working on right now? Uh, a few things. I like to write like multiple things at a time because I just get so many ideas and I'm like, pew pew, pew pew. I just gotta do them all at the same time. Um, so 
One of them is called Let's Slip It Up, and it's based off of a card game. It's a device piece, ideally. Um, based off of a card game that we played at Cherubs called Spicy Uno Flip, um, which is Uno Flip plus additional rules. Uh, it takes place with a bunch of high school seniors and some juniors. And then uh, we're playing this game, and... The key, there are a bunch of different rules. The key one to remember is that on plus fives, you have the option to like draw five or do a truth or dare. Um, and so through this game, a bunch of like truth or dares come out and each performance would be different because the game would be played differently. Um, so that's one of the ones. And then I'm writing a piece called Iman about uh, take mostly taking place in the 50s in Egypt. Um, but there... The beginning is set in the present day where this grandchild, Iman, is non-binary and their grandma doesn't accept them. Um, and then the grandma dies. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, her name is Maya. And Iman is like going through Maya's stuff and finds like a box of letters. And they're like, hello. Uh, and in these letters are letters from Maya's lover, whose name is also Iman, who happened to be a girl. And the reason that Maya can't say Iman's name is because Maya's lover was also named Iman, and, like, Iman had changed their name. So it was like, you know, you get the, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I'm currently writing that. It's a little bit harder, um, just because I know in the 50s in Egypt, talking was probably a little bit different than how I speak now. And... There's probably a lot of like cultural differences and things that I need to do like more research into. And also it's a full length and I'm really bad at like pacing my work. I always like rush into things. Um, that's one of the reasons I like Shards of Our Heart is because it's very slow and it like takes its time with each moment. Um, but yeah, so I'm uh, working on that. And then I'm also writing a one person show about my crowdfunding experiences. Um, to show the it's basically to emphasize community and how like community can bring so much joy into a person's life and can like really heavily impact um, like their future um, and the goal through that production is people will be wearing name tags and then I call them up and then they'd act out the scene with me um, as the person I'm talking about because I'd be telling different stories yeah and um, each person would then put, ideally, put money into like a box in the front. Uh, and this money would go to someone who's uh, crowdfunding for like gender affirming care. Cool. Yeah, I love, I love the, um, are you getting more into like devised work or audience participants worry work? And um, as a, like, it's almost like that's a method of building community in itself. During yeah. Work, while you're talking about that theme too, that's awesome. Um, yeah. The the play you were mentioning earlier about uh, the person in Egypt in the fifties. How are you approaching that research process? Like, what does that look like for you to um, contextualize so, that scene? I've been talking to my grandma and my great grandma about like, without talking the plot about their experiences in like Egypt yeah. and, um. My grandma grew up in the 50s, and my great-grandma grew up around, uh, around the time, too. They have, like, a... My great-grandma had my grandma when she was, like, 11 or 14, I think. Oh, wow. Um, 
And so there's a lot that she couldn't do. And I take what she couldn't do and I try to put it into this play to show that, you know, maybe it was possible. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's amazing that you have access to your great grandmother's generation and you can involve them. In yeah, yeah. It's yeah. good you're getting like while you have this chance, you're you're talking to her and getting some really, really amazing insight. That's yeah, it's pretty rare to be able to access that generation. Yeah, um, my grandpa uh, grandpa, my uncle has been um like asking her to tell stories every day and he'll write them down um and so like one of them was and they're like prompt-based stories so one was like what's something you uh love to what's your favorite subject in school um when my great-grandma didn't go to school and so she'd be like I didn't go to school but I really wanted to be a politician and it was like oh <laughs> um so yeah that's so cool like I as a as a kid I remember interviewing um, my grandma for a school project and she was talking about like during the Great Depression how um like having ice cream like finding out that her father brought home ice cream one day it was like it was one of the best memories she has of her whole life and it was just oh. so interesting to hear that insight and it gave you it gave me so much perspective of just like wow, this this is what she remembers from her childhood. It's like just having access to ice cream like one day. Um, and yeah, it's it's just like, it gives you these little like anecdotes, like just these little stories, like give you, they open up so much into like, oh, okay, this is why she is the way she is now. Like why she's so, she saves everything or, you know, like just those little stories can give you so much insight into like okay this explains this pattern I've seen with this person or like with this generation I don't know I feel really like comforted knowing that like my grandma's there to like tell me these stories to be like you're experiencing this thing that I didn't really have but I want to be there for you to experience this with you um and my great-grandma like she went to the show last night and I was and she didn't speak English and she went to the show um and had a really good time apparently <laughs> and so it's just really nice to be able to like experience all those things with her that's so cool that's so cool she was probably so proud <laughs> I haven't been able to talk to her much about it but I'm excited oh, to like I'm sure she was proud yeah the yeah. vibes were right whether or not yeah. she knew what the words were the vibes were right yeah God. yeah I at this point I just like really wish I had kind of gotten more stories from my grandparents generation because now like I'm kind of at the point where most of those people either they're gone or they're dying or they're not entirely um some of them are still like mentally able to but um also like distance and to some degree language barriers it just gets in the way and it's just Anyway, I think it's great that you're getting the stories when you can. And it's hard to recognize the importance of, I mean, there's a lot I wish I had asked my grandmother, you know, before she died. And it's just like, in the moment, it's really hard to remember kind of like the importance, the long-term importance of archiving. Um, I think life passes us by 
so quickly that we I don't know you those think it's things gonna be there because yeah and you think it, yeah you think it's always going to be there you're like okay you know like slowing down enough to ask for these stories is it's it's kind of hard to find moments where like you can't do that because it is a slow process yeah I I didn't like I started like talking to my grandparents and, like grandparents great-grandparents about or great-grandma about like their stories and stuff pretty recently um when my grandma found out I was gay I didn't talk to her for like a year um and same thing with my other grandma and so I didn't really I kind of took them for granted and I regret that time in my life in some way and like obviously that's what it was I needed at the time but it was still like like now looking back on it it's like I kind of wish I had you know talked to them more <laughs> well but I mean you you are and yeah but I, I do think sometimes people don't talk about that aspect with the like oh if your family isn't supportive fuck them and cut them off and like live your own life and and which which for some people like that is the answer and that's fine and um I'm not saying that no one should ever do that um but there is something to having people in your, in your life not just for who they are as a person and you know even if people aren't immediately supportive sometimes you want them there as a person but apart from that um there's there's value in having family members as a connection to history and connection to knowledge that you wouldn't be able to have otherwise yeah. that isn't just about um that single person and I think sometimes that loss isn't um mentioned when people are just talking about the loss of one relationship yeah I I feel like like growing up around the time when I started to come to terms with like being gay and like coming out to my family yeah. um a lot of my friends had been like and like people I looked up to had like cut themselves off from family so I was like oh this is like like if it doesn't go right this is something that I could do and like yeah. it's an option obviously yes it is an option um and then when that happened and I tried doing that I realized that I was just it wasn't right for me and I just was so much more unhappy because I I needed them in my life so yeah I mean it's different for everybody of course but yeah yeah I I think there's 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 different levels to that that sometimes aren't discussed enough especially if like your family is your only connection to a particular culture or history in your life at the moment yeah um, um what are one question that just popped to my into mind is um with your with your art it could be like any medium um what what is your general like wish for people's takeaway from what you are conveying? Like what, what do you want people to like take from the, you know, like interacting with your art or you know, seeing it? Uh, I guess that there's like so much more to the future that we haven't yet discovered and that there's so much potential to it. So if we, completely like shortchange it or if we just like try to obviously it's really important to stay in the, the moment and like I'm a huge advocate for that at the same time I really love imagining these futures and putting these futures 
like out there and like shards of our heart is a little bit different because it takes away that future um but that's the reality of what happened so i guess that's a big thing and also i guess for people to see that these are the truths that i'm telling that they might not be historically true but they're true to someone mm -hmm. so. Before we wrap it up, I also want to talk a little bit about um, like school level activism because I know you've been involved in some um, like queer and trans activism around your high school. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, so I'm incredibly fortunate to be in Northern Virginia and in Fairfax County where um, the schools mostly support <laughs> queer and trans students. Um, with the election of Governor Yunkin, it a lot of like turmoil has been like brought up and like it's he had him and like his colleagues have like proposed bills that just like completely would deteriorate the lives of trans and uh queer youth in Fairfax County, which is supposed to be this like uh supportive space that they are claiming that it is. Um and so I, there's another organization in this county called the Pride Liberation Project. I was with them for a few years and then had to separate because I just did not have time. Um, but it's through like organize, organizations like them who are students running everything and speaking with school board members. Um, and so they've like completely inspired me to try and do this as well on like a different level. So like uh, with when Yunkin I've proposed the bill of like outing students and stuff like that. Um, it was really hard for me because I was already out, but like I knew that if they told my parents, it might have, it still would have been like, like they would have been like, why are you? Yeah, of course. Why are you? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Sorry. And so, <laughs> okay. So I have feelings about that, but keep going. <laughs> um, I, I was like, I've talked to school board, I've been to school board meetings um, and I've sent emails to my principal um, and I've done all this stuff. And then there's one thing that we like haven't done as a collective, which is like work together to like try using art to like show what we're trying to say. So I started this thing where um, I got a group of friends um, and like peers and we made all this like art about trans joy. Uh, we put them around the schools and we were like uh there would be like words with it too um saying like joy is the most powerful form of resistance and then still to this day in our like art gallery i have this painting of a teacher's classroom and it says you belong here on it um and then a bunch of other artwork whether it's photography or digital art or paintings it's all like there um and so i think with my activism and like my in school I try to work on it like as joy based as possible um after I did a workshop about experiments and joy um and how that can be a really powerful form of resistance and that's been inspiring me to write all the stuff about it uh but anyway um I that's kind of how I've been doing my activism in school and like back in like sophomore year we had a whole football game where the school team was being pretty racist um and like no one was talking about it in 
they would be like, this is that, but then they wouldn't like talk about any of the underlying um, experiences of uh, Black and Indigenous people of color at the school. Um, and so we like started to kind of put that to light uh, and then nothing happened. <laughs> um, but that's kind of the reality of like high school activism. You do all this work and then yeah, some people I mean, will see it and they'll realize it's it. It's great that you're finding joyful ways to do it because I think so many people burn out so quickly. Like I wasn't yeah. um, super involved in activism in high school yet, but some of my friends who were, I think, and I'm still in touch with, they kind of hit that like burnout level a little bit earlier because it's 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 hard, right? Like fighting against any bureaucracy can be so draining. And I think it's really common for people when to not um, not think about the sustainability of it when they're first getting started. Um, yeah. So I think it's it's really cool that you're making that a focus from the start. Also, yeah. I'm having that kind of reaction, uh, not just to the law itself about outing students, but just like, as somebody who works in schools right now, I'm just like, if you're a teacher or a school administrator, and even if that's the law, why would you do it? You should just not do it. <laughs> like, yeah. no one, you you can always just not do the thing. And I, I, I don't know, um, with, with all of a bunch of different state laws, surrounding things that teachers have to do whether it's like not talk about slavery or like out students I'm like you know you could just you could just not do it if everyone doesn't do it then it, the law doesn't work <laughs> yeah I'm really fortunate to have like really great teachers um who I'll like be like can you actually not use my chosen name with my parents and they would they'll write me like a note they're like hey I didn't do it but I love you and I support you oh. <laughs> um and they're like or like didn't use much of the name um but like and there are so many teachers in like my school county who are also fighting with us and it's just really great and I'm so grateful that's amazing um, yeah, yeah that's good what would you say is um for anyone else who's listening who's like involved in schools what's like the number one thing that's been helpful from teachers or staff members and being supportive of students um I have this one teacher who said to me said something to me yesterday um because someone made a remark I was like talking to her about uh like how like my experiences with my family and then um someone was like you like to the teacher um you're kind of like the guidance counselor and then she was like because guidance counselors do so much like as a teacher it's really important that we're also there for the students not only so they can have a supportive person in the building but um that the, it's not like a lot of pressure on the guidance counselors and also like sometimes guidance counselors don't really know that experience of like um the te the students and like that relationship is different um and so I think the most important part uh for like teachers or like staff is that like um, they're observant and understanding when a student kind of comes to them, but also knowing when it's okay to like step back and be like, this is a lot for like me right now yeah. uh, and how to communicate that. Yeah, totally. I love that. Cause I also, that setting of boundaries also is a good example for the students of like, yeah. this is how to set boundaries um, and like show, okay, I don't have the emotional capacity or 
just the capacity in general to take all of this on and, you know, and kind of maybe point the student in the right direction of like, okay, here's another trusted person. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. Yeah. That's good. That's a good reminder. Like sometimes people feel like, okay, I have to take on all of this responsibility and it's like, actually not helpful for the other person because yeah it's it's just like not realistic sometimes yeah um, yeah um awesome well if people want to follow you online what's your handle <laughs> it's ran or after um or at ran or after i love yeah. that handle so much thank you i'm a really <laughs> big dinosaur fan so <laughs> I just have to incorporate it everywhere. I love it. What's your favorite dinosaur? If you had to pick one, the Brachiosaurus, the one with the long Ooh. neck. Oh yeah, I I liked in Land Before Time. That's the one. That's that was such a sweet one. Sweet what was character. The, what was name in, what was I forget. The, I forget its name in the yeah. that one's name. It was just such a gentle character. I remember. I have to look it up. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. This is amazing. And um, it's cool. Yeah, it's always fun. Like after we've been following someone for so long and finally getting to talk to them. Um, thank you for having me. I literally like talking to my friend the, the day y'all DM me and I was like, you would not believe what just happened. This is like a dream come true. I feel like a celebrity right now. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah we were we were in our in our little chat to each other like oh my god they said yes <laughs> don't do it <laughs> so that's awesome that we're was all so celebrities fun. here yes <laughs> we are um yeah thank you so much for doing this um it was good to finally get to talk yeah i'm so glad i got to meet you all today <laughs> If you want to follow, if you all want to follow us, you can go on Instagram or Twitter. We're at the Queer Arabs. Oh, and Facebook. I keep forgetting. It's not a very interactive space, but yeah. our Instagram is our mo most interactive space. Um, and you can email us at thequeerarabs at gmail.com. And our website is thequeerarabs.com. And you can listen to our episodes on every podcast app, which you probably know if you're listening to this. Um, so thanks all.